Welcome to Brightline Living, the official podcast of Brightline Eating, where we focus on living a life free from food obsession and filled with peace and unstoppability. Each week, Dr. Susan Pierce Thompson, New York Times bestselling author and founder of Brightline Eating, will cover topics ranging from food addiction to fascinating science and how to live a bright life. Now here's Susan with the audio version of this week's blog. Hey there, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. So I just did something really exciting. It was such a privilege and an honor. I went to England for the first ever international conference on food addiction. It was so exciting. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I flew to London and then I took a coach, which is a bus to Bristol. And the conference was at the Royal Marriott Bristol Hotel. And it was two days. The first day was networking and discussing forming a an association for professionals who treat people uh, struggling with food addiction. And the second day was an academic style conference. It was brilliant. It was really, really great. And one of the coolest things about being there was I got to meet all these people that I didn't know. I didn't know that there were professionals in various ways helping people with food addiction around the world. There were people from Brazil, from Israel, from Sweden, from the UK, from um, I think a couple other Western and Northern European countries, maybe Denmark. Um, There were a lot of people from Canada and there were a lot of people from the United States. A lot of people. I think the first day that was networking and sort of discussing forming this professional association, there might have been, I don't know, 40 to 60 people in the room. And I think the second day, which was the proper academic conference, attendance might have been somewhere between 100 to 150 people. There were definitely people there who didn't know anything about food addiction, who were just there to learn about food addiction. And there were people there who had been treating food addiction and uh, making it their life's work literally for decades. And I remember asking a few people, there were a lot of people there who knew me. And until I got there, I didn't know anybody. Um, And I, I asked sort of, how did I not know all you people existed? And one person said, well, you know, when we were forming our, our sort of little group and our intention to create this conference and stuff, we reached out to you, but I don't think you got the message or we didn't know. We thought maybe you just didn't respond. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think I got the message. I don't remember ever getting a message. And to be fair, we do get a lot of mail here at Bright Line Eating. Um, so anyway, it was just so great to meet people. That was my number one takeaway. I met a lot of really great people. And I suspect this will not be Um, the last time I talk about what I learned at that conference in this vlog, but I wanted to start somewhere. So I wanted to talk about uh, a talk given by a guy named David Wolf, um, who talks about recovery protection, which is essentially relapse prevention. Because I realized, you know, relapse prevention isn't something that I teach or talk about all that much in Brightline Eating. I mean, we do some But it's important stuff, of course, you know, especially if you're breaking your bright lines, uh, it's really important to have some tools for what to do about that. And interestingly, 
in a lot of places, addiction is classified or defined really as a chronic relapsing condition. And of course, food is the hardest in that sense. Food is a beast when it comes to the slippery slope and all the opportunities there are because you have to engage with your drug of choice so many times a day and in so many different circumstances, the opportunities for relapse uh, just multiply exponentially. And it can be really hard. So yeah, this guy, David Wolf, gave a really interesting talk about it. And I wanted to share some of what I learned there. So uh, he had us do a journaling exercise, which was, uh, I know my recovery is in trouble when dot, dot, dot. I recommend you do this. Try this out. Journal on that prompt and maybe make it, you know, I know my bright lines are in trouble when, or I know um, my program, my my recovery, however you want to phrase it, my bright lines, uh, my plan, whatever, uh, is in jeopardy when, dot, dot, dot. So, you know, I journaled on that. And he said, now, take each one of those instances. Uh, It's usually like a a set, a time of day, a setting, some sort of emotion or something, right? Take it and, and think, is that really debate, romance, or guilt? So classify it. So a debate trigger would be, um, something that puts you in the will I, won't I, should I, shouldn't I. I've found myself many a time in a grocery store aisle walking up and down thinking, oh, should I get this? Should I not? Uh, he had a funny moment where he said, cut to the chase. The answer is always no. <laughs> no, you should not. But that's debate, right? Another thought uh, or way to characterize it would be negotiation when you've got your inner negotiator part that's kicking up. That's a food indulger part that likes to negotiate. It likes to play the angles. So that is one type of trigger is when you're in debate or negotiation. The second kind is romance. That's when you're really thinking about how great it could be if you ate this or that. Uh, We call it euphoric recall in the addiction world. Euphoric recall, thinking about when it's really lovely to eat this, or it's so great to eat that, or it's really this type of trigger is when you just, the hungry food monster is awake and you just really want the food, right? And the third type of trigger is a guilt trigger. And I guess this could be any sort of negative emotionality, but it could be feeling worthless, feeling like a failure, feeling uh, down on yourself. It could also probably be anger or frustration, Uh, it could be any number of negative emotions there. But so those are the three categories of triggers. And then grab a a deck of index cards, three by five cards, and do a little exercise with each of these scenarios. So when, when you journaled on, I know my bright lines are in trouble when, dot, dot, dot. Take them one at a time. And take, take an index card and write Q at the top and then write what, what you wrote. So if you wrote, I know my bright lines are in trouble when dinner is over and I still want to eat more food. Okay, so you write that as the top. The Q is dinner is over and I still want to eat more food. And it might be that that is a debate trigger where it propels you into thinking, should I have a little more? Shouldn't I have a little more? It could be that it's a romance cue where it's really like you're thinking, 
oh, but it's so nice to have dessert after dinner. I want some, it could, you know. So you figure out what type of cue it is. And then you're going to write your uh, custom or routine. He, David Wolf did three C's, cue, custom, consequence. Charles Duhigg in his amazing book, The Power of Habit, for the same idea, he says, cue, routine, reward. Doesn't matter. Same, same. It's the, it's the same idea. But the first thing is cue. That's your trigger. That's the antecedent. It's the thing that comes before your relapse, right? So cue. So cue is dinner's over and I want to eat more food. Second thing is custom. What do you, or routine, what do you normally do then that doesn't go well, that leads to the relapse? What's your custom of then I get up and open the cupboard and start looking at the nuts and the, you know, various things. Or then I um, get up and open the freezer and look to see if the kids have left any, you know, frozen desserts in there or whatever, right? So the, the custom is, what do you normally do then that doesn't go well? And then the last one is consequence. What happens then? I feel bloated. I feel miserable. My head starts to spin. Then I go out and I, I binge fully. Maybe I leave the house and I go buy more food. Or what's the consequence? What happens? Then my weight is up. Then um, I feel terrible about myself. Then I have a hard time staying bright the next day. Or, or I don't know, maybe it's, you know, everyone's different, right? But you write, what's your consequence? Cue custom consequence. Okay. Then flip the note card over. And write Q again, same Q, dinner is over and I want more food. The next line is new custom. What are you going to go do now differently that's going to create a different outcome? Like what would be a solution? If dinner is over and you're wanting more food, what would be a helpful, productive thing for you to do then that would protect your bright lines, change the narrative, change how it usually goes and make you triumphant, make you feel great about yourself, right? What could you do? Now, everybody's different here, right? Maybe uh, you're like me and some other people and you've been taken over by the Wordle phenomenon, right? And you haven't done your Wordle yet for the day. So maybe you could go do the Wordle or Quartle, Octortle, <laughs> Nerdle, uh, mini nurdle, speed nurdle, bi nurdle. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, that's funny. Don't worry about it. But there's a, there's a online word game called Wordle that seems to me to be kind of like COVID because it just keeps mutating and spreading around the world. So it's switched to all these different variations. There's all these different word games and number games now that are sort of in the same vein. But if you like crossword puzzles or regular puzzles, Anything like that, if you like crocheting, any sort of pick your distraction of choice, right? That could go in that spot. Of course, making a phone call could go in that spot. Taking a walk could go in that spot. Um, Reaching out to your Gideon Games team or your guide or your buddy could go in that spot. So many things could go in that spot. What could you do right then that would work for you that would flip the script and save your bright lines, right? So you write that, that's your new custom, and then you write new consequence. What would happen then if you did that instead and you didn't go to the cupboard and look to see more food? All right, so 
you're going to go through and for each of the things that you listed, I want you to journal on that initial prompt of, I know my bright lines are in trouble when dot, dot, dot. Give yourself a good 10, 15, 20 minutes to journal on that. Like really create a lot of them and then create a bunch of these note cards where, you know, if you know your bright lines are in trouble when you're going out to eat and you're with a bunch of people and you're, you don't want to be weird or order differently than them or whatever, right? If that's a trigger for you, well, put that there. I know I'm in trouble when I'm going out to eat with a group of people. Well, what do you always do about that? What's your custom? I don't get any support. I just go and then I order what other people have ordered and I break my bright lines, right? Okay. And then how do you feel about that? What happens? What's the consequence? And flip the card over I, you know, cue, I'm going out to eat with a bunch of people. What could you do differently, right? What would be the new thing you could do? You know, on the way there, pull up the menu online, start texting with a buddy, figure out what you're going to order that's bright. You can get a bright meal anywhere, right? Protein and produce. You can get a bright meal anywhere. So go through your list of journaling, all the different scenarios or triggers of when your bright lines are in trouble and write a note card for each one. Now, if you want to take this a step further, David Wolf didn't talk about this in his talk, but on our staff, Lynn Colston has a really helpful thing that she does to save her bright lines and she teaches people to do when she coaches them, which is an if-then tool. If-then. So if dinner has just ended and I want more food, then I will go into the living room and crochet, whatever, whatever it was, your new behavior that's going to save the day, that's going to do it differently, right? You write if then, and then you can study those as, you know, flashcards before you go to bed at night, that starts to prime your brain. I do this if then sometimes when I'm going to sleep, and I'm worried that I'll dither around in the morning when I wake up and miss my window of time to meditate in the morning, I go to sleep thinking, if my alarm has gone off, then I'm popping out of bed and I'm going into my office to meditate. And I program my brain that way. And that sends me right into my office to meditate in the morning instead of making a cup of decaf, you know, schmoozing with David, do get doing Wordle, and suddenly my window of time to meditate is gone. If then. It's extremely powerful. So there's a little bit of homework <laughs> if you've been breaking your bright lines and you want some tools and strategies for how to do things differently, how to shore up your program, protect your recovery, and start to feel really great about yourself and start to notice it working. And uh, it's so worth it. It is so worth it to be really, really bright. You know, and we all have places in our program, even if your lines have been bright consecutively for a long time, maybe you know your recovery is in danger when you start to feel really anxious about stuff and like what could you do when you're anxious it might be that it's not about your bright lines being in jeopardy but just your recovery your peace of mind your joy could be in danger right so you can use this note card strategy for all kinds of challenges so thanks david wolf for the great talk at the conference 
Thank you for watching, for listening. That's the weekly vlog. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Brightline Living. Please post a review and subscribe to our channel. Interested in learning more about Brightline Eating? Visit ble.life slash podcast to find out more. ble.life slash podcast. Have a bright day.